Good morning and welcome to Young Bucks, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast of choice here on the KK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Jared, I've got that down now, man. It's about time. It only took you six episodes. Six months, it feels like we've been doing this. That too. It's been a long year. We're not even halfway through it yet. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while now, and I finally got that down to a science. He's Jared Prugar. I'm Alex Stumpf. I'm going to start off this first segment by admitting that I'm cheating, and I'll, I'll tie it back into prospects here in a little bit, but this is going to be divided into two parts. The first is on Mitch Keller, who I know isn't a prospect anymore. But he's in the minor leagues. I feel like we could talk about him a little bit because he's in Indianapolis again. And Jared, let's just hit, you know, go right after it right here. I think we'll both be in agreement with saying that Joel Hanrahan is maybe like the perfect guy for Mitch to deal with right about now. No, I think that's fair. I've, I've always been a fan of Joel Hanrahan as a pitching coach uh, from when he was in Altoona. Um, it just seemed like the players responded a lot better to what he was saying. And that's nothing, it's nothing against Brian Hickerson, who was here before, but he's he's done it he's done it at a high level and he's an up-and-coming coach he's really moved through the ranks and obviously he's respected enough to be with that staff in AAA but he's able to teach the game the way that it needs to be taught to some of these guys because he's done it he's been there he's he's had the Tommy Johns he's had that success after the injuries so I mean he he gets it from a bunch of different aspects and I think that's huge, but also everything that he talks about with his players involves the mental game too. And I think that's the aspect where Mitch Keller has struggled the most. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely, I mean, I did a whole mound visit on it where it's like, look, I'm willing to you can see that some of this might be mental here, but let's not pretend that the stuff has been as good as it was his rookie year either. But yeah, I, I think, you know, getting what, he was talking about in, in that story that I wrote up on Friday, you know, you know, getting some confidence in that step from Mitch Keller. It's not really like, a, oh, his body language is terrible or anything. It's like, look, you're in Indianapolis right now. Your face isn't going to be, you know, plastered everywhere. If you stink, you're not going to be in the MOB network, you know, ticker down at the bottom. If you have a bad start, it, it is a low pressure environment. And I think that's kind of what he needs right now just to reset, get that stuff in order mechanically in on top of, you know, just whatever needs sorted out mentally. No, and I think that was the a, short part. That was the, right. That was the, the quick. The reset is exactly what he needs. Like we all need that reset every once in a while where we're, we're, we're kind of like redlining, 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 and then boom, it just all kind of falls apart. And I think that's where Mitch Keller is, but that's, you're right. It is the short part of it. There is a lot more to the story than just that. Yeah. And here's the part of the story that has nothing to do with anything and why we could justify, or at least I could justify talking about Mitch Keller to start is the point A to point B thinking that a lot of people have about the pitching prospects in this system, particularly Quinn Priester mostly from people who know very little about Quinn Priester other than he's a Pirates minor league pitcher and he was a highly ranked, you know, on Baseball America's Top 100. 
kind of like Mitch Keller was. And since Mitch Keller struggled in the major leagues to start his career, that means Quinn Priester is a bust as well. And Jared, I know this is, this is me venting. This is me venting on how stupid that, that line of thinking is. Yeah. I mean, that's just so, I mean, it's dumb. It's, it's lazy. It's everything under the sun that isn't productive because the body of work just is not where it, where it should be. I mean, obviously they lost a year last year. That's a big year when it comes to development. Um, And, you know, when you look at a guy like Priester, like, yeah, obviously he was at the alt site, but let's not forget that he's only appeared or like he's only appeared in 16 games. He started 15 games in his entire minor league career. Yeah. Like minor league career. He's also only 20, like pump the brakes on the bus stuff. It's not easy when your first game goes, I mean, you, you play for the, in the Gulf coast league, you go to the, to, to low a, and now you're, you know, high a in the Eastern, whatever you want to call Greensboro that without a season in between without, with, with just the alt site. You know, we talk about development at the alt site all the time, but let's be real here. Nobody knows what that is. And, and, and that's not the same. Like that's not the same as game game reps. You can try to simulate it all you want, but it's, it's a little different than, than what they're dealing with. So it's okay. He's going to struggle and struggling is good. That, that adversity is good. So I, I listen, you can't compare apples to oranges because Priester is a guy that's going to spend his entire time under this, you know, this current front office. And I think that speaks volumes compared to what they were dealing with, with the last front office too, that Mitch Keller had to kind of work his way through. And then when he got to Pittsburgh, things changed. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a little bit of that with, with Mitch. Um, And I know, Priester was at the alternate site, but that was at the very end. He didn't get a whole lot of time at the alternate site. It, it's not like how Gonzalez and Perguero were there the entire time. He was he was just there for a, a little bit. A, so a cup of I, tea at the alt site, we should say. <laughs> he was there for a minute. But I, I think the first thing, or the most important thing, is what you hit on. It's a different development system, like even more so than Quinn Priester and Mitch Keller are two very different types of pitchers. Primarily for Mitch Keller is a four seam fastball guy. Quinn Priester is a, a, a sinker, two seam fastball guy. And they're going to grow up different. They're going to, that's been the whole thing that they've really liked to say in the farm system. What Miguel Perez said uh, that first game after I asked is like, you're going to see a lot of guys pitch to their strengths. And we're going to see that with Quinn Priester also. Like, I'm, I'm sorry if people are all of a sudden willing to write off the kid because he jumped from no season to, to high A and he got hit a little bit early on. But you got to – this is part of challenging the kid. This is what we advocated for, you know, challenge some of these players. You're going to get hit every once in a while. That's a simple fact. No, and, it, and it's not like – like we said, I mean, there's just – there's a lot more than meets the eye. I mean, he's three and three with the three, five, two ERA. That's not necessarily terrible, but he's only pitched in seven games. Like, so, you know, the body of work isn't there yet and it will be there. 
No, he hasn't yielded a home run, which I think is good. And he's only th- had nine walks, so he's getting hit around. Or I'm sorry, I read that I read the stats wrong. He's given up four home runs. No, he hasn't hit any batters, so his control is okay. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Um, he's at 28 strikeouts, which is right on par with kind of what he's done um, in the his prior to this year. So I mean, listen, it's gonna work out. Uh, hopefully, I mean, obviously. Like you can't struggle at every level, but the struggling and the adversity is okay. It's not a bad thing. I mean, we talked we talked with this about uh, Contreras. We wanted him, their Hanrahan especially wanted him to see what to see what he could do against adversity. What he did when things didn't go his way, and he responded. and And that's I think what we're getting from Priester. Now it's a little bit more adversity than what you might think, but at the same time. It's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, and it's not a bad thing for for Keller either. I mean, this is obviously not how anybody wanted that you know the start of his career to go, but it doesn't mean that all hope is lost. I mean, there's still the pieces there to be a really good pitcher. It's about bringing it all together, and that's how you wrap up a segment, Jerry. Well, we'll catch you on the tie things together. That's right, and you know what? I'll send us to the next break. We'll catch you in segment two coming up after these words from our sponsors. And welcome back to Young Bucks. Jared, we've talked a lot about the Indian prospects on this show whether it's Nick Gonzalez being the you know, projected second baseman of the future, Peguero being the projected shortstop of the future. I guess that Hayes kid up in the major leagues can stick around. No reason to kick him out anytime soon. First base is less certain. I, I think it's fair to say. Um, you got Mason Martin in double A, who's absolutely crushing the baseball right now. You've got Alexander Bohica. Down in Bradenton, who got off to a real hot stop, but it, hot start, but has cooled off since then. But you know, again, someone with this tremendous raw power. Both players aren't really considered top top prospects, though. Neither one's top ten in this system. Mason Martin, there's a lot of questions of you know, is the bat to ball skills are they good enough? Can he just get on base enough that you know the power can play, and he's not just a solely a guy whose OPS is solely based off of his slugging percentage. Plus, you know, all the other things, running the bases, fielding, same with Mojica. So, Jared, whenever you look at these first base prospects in the system, do you believe Mason Martin could take over that first base job in, let's say, 2022? Can Mojica do it in 2024? Or is it time for the Pirates to start exploring outside options? I think it's a small sample size for double A so far. I mean, you look at his stat line, he's got 31 hits, 23 runs this year seven homers and 24 RBIs for the entire season. Now he spent some time at the alt site last year, which is great, I think for his development. Uh, But we haven't been able to see him, you know, throughout the entire year. Now he's, he's a first baseman hitting 244, which isn't out of the, out out of the norm. Um, But if that power can play, he had two home runs Thursday night. I mean, if that power can play, I think that's a very good sign moving forward. Now defensively, You know, I think he's looked okay at at first base. It's not like it's overwhelming him. Now, obviously, we know from experience, 
seeing players come up to, to the majors and playing first base is not easy. Uh, there are th- different things that <laughs> Javi Baez throws at you all, all, all the time. But, you know, if the Pirates needed a first baseman right now, then I think they, the, they would have to go outside the organization to find the first baseman of the future. But I don't think the, the door is shut on a guy like a Mason Martin to, to keep coming up and keep progressing through the system. Yeah, I mean, let's just, for me personally, Mason Martin needs to get to Indianapolis next year or I am looking outside the organization for people. I mean, maybe something comes up at the trade deadline also since the Pirates are going to be sellers and, you know, maybe they bring in not even a first baseman. If you bring in a third baseman and trade, you're going to slide him over to the other side of the diamond because Hayes isn't going anywhere. He's, he's, that, that position is entrenched. So I'm willing to except looking just how this Pirates roster is constructed and especially seeing how they have so little power on this team this year to trade some defense, trade some base running for just good old fashioned power, which I think Mason Martin has, but it's the consistency of how well can he get the bat to the ball against breaking pitches? How well can he get on base in general? So he's not just, you know, solely power. I'm, not convinced on him yet the tape measure home runs are astounding right now and i'm sure that Cruz martin back to back whatever they do back back to back that's that's a sight to behold in altoona but i don't know i don't think he's 100 the first baseman of the future i'm honestly a little more inclined with mojica just because of how well his tools play as well and there's more time to develop him Right, and that's true. Now, don't get me wrong. Mason Martin's still only twenty-two, but yeah, he, yeah. but he, you know, the 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 clock is starting to tick, and and the Pirates need, you know, they need a guy. They need they need something. And, I mean, that offense is anemic. It's almost like they're allergic to hitting the baseball. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I don't know what that's like watching Altoona play because that they they seem like they're hitting one through nine more often than not, and when they do hit the ball. They are absolute laser missiles directed at wherever you're not. So, I mean, or a coaster here or there, but you know, they have to find, they have to find something. I mean, and if it's not here and now, then it's, you know, somewhere else. And, and that's okay too. It's, you don't have to be homegrown at all nine positions on the field. No, no, you can't. And if anything, just where this club is at the moment with these prospects that are start going to start coming up in 2022, 2023, it's going to be a very cheap core of the team going forward. So you would like to imagine that maybe not, you know, an Eric Cosmer type of deal, but maybe the Padres take a bit or pirates take a bit of the page out of the Padres book where they are like, we have this incredible core coming up. Let's get a couple veterans in here that, you know, once they, so they can hit the ground running type of deal i think that would be very wise for the parts this offseason to pursue someone like anthony rizzo for first base no i think a veteran first baseman and a veteran outfielder would be ideal for the uh for uh for the pirates and i think that's something you know that that charrington should look into because uh, the at, at best at absolute best your your next first baseman in the system is probably not coming up until 2020 22 at the earliest more like 2023 2024 um, if we're, if we're beat going based on the way that their clocks are ticking, um, under this, uh, under this front office. So you're going to have to go out and get a guy. 
and it is a very very young nucleus uh when jacob stallings is your oldest is your oldest position player you know that's that's saying something um everyday position player i guess i should say but you know you the veteran presence is never necessarily a bad thing unless of course uh you're a certain guy that played in cincinnati for a while well that might be a little too obscure there jared for people to catch oh listen it's the flavor of the day come on you should know this yeah it took me a minute to (laughs) figure it out we're gonna have one more segment coming up we'll be right back podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Yes, it's segment three, and yes, it took me far less time than Alex to memorize that saying. So, Alex, listen, our segment three is our, our let's call it our segment three for all. Um, we just named this Hello. on the fly. We, you Listen, you knew we weren't getting through this without a terrible joke or a terrible pun. So, now the table is yours or the podcast is yours. What's on your mind about the minor league system? Uh, you know, what's really on my mind and this is selfless or uh, shameless self-promotion, not selfless shame promotion. That's something completely different. <laughs> um, I like what we're doing with the, in the system now. I think that's going to be something that's really good. I think, I mean, as fun as it is to talk prospects with you, Jared, and I do enjoy doing it. I like the idea of us running alongside these also. I think that last one turned out real well. Go read it. Go read it on Tuesday. It's going to come out every Tuesday. No, and I think this is a really good point, Alex. Um, obviously, the guy that wrote the, the first one, I think, did a really good job um, talking to Rodolfo Castro. Okay. And, and I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you, and I'm going to make Jared blush here. Because one of the things – not one of the things. I think Jared's strongest – trait as a journalist as a writer is his ability to connect with people and have a good conversation and have good stuff to build a story around and that sounds it's a lot 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 more difficult than it sounds because especially i mean that was the first time you talked to rodolfo right yes it was yeah so i've talked to it was a great story (laughs) so yeah right and there are three people that i talked to one-on-one this year well, it's actually kind of been two-on-one because I've talked to Castro and Contreras, both via Roald Hernandez, who's their translator. So, but I've also talked to Nick Gonzalez, which is, it's tough. But now that we're able to get on the field and talk to some of these guys and set some things up, you know, if things go the right way, I, I'm, I think I'm going to have a really, really sweet uh, feature coming up here pretty soon. And I appreciate those kind words, Alex. It's not often that you say nice things about me. Oh, well, I mean it. I mean it. There's the first sign for everything. But no, and it's funny to be like talking to talking to Castro, you know, it, and as soon as he hit, as soon as he talked about Gregory Polanco, like we had people in our in our comments on that article, like joking all like <laughs> they obviously that's the butt of the joke is Gregory Polanco teaching somebody how to hit. Well, guess what? He's getting paid millions of dollars to hit the ball at the major league level. We are not. Gregory Polanco can hit that ball. As you saw Friday night, 
he can smash the ball when he's able to make contact, just gets his A swing on the ball. So, you know, yeah, him and Frazier got good guys to talk to. But we, those professional guys, you know, it's a business. They don't have to talk to you. They don't have to talk to these players that are called up or these young guys and help them along the way. They don't have to do that. But they took their time out to tell um, Castro and, and to instruct Castro and say, hey, listen, this is what you need to be looking for. This is what you need to be doing. And I think that speaks volumes to the culture built around the Pirates organization. I'll second that. Jerry, do you have a, a last thought um, that you want to get off your chest? Yeah, if you have an opportunity to see O'Neill Cruz hit the baseball, please do it. Um, he's singled again Friday night, which is absurd. <laughs> he's now reached base 20 games in a row. Um, but, yeah, um, there's that. Other than that, you know, I think it's just – every we are here as writers obviously you'd love to hear our voices or at least we hope that you like to hear our voices um i know i hate my recorded voice actually but but no and i think that's what the in the system the new in the system allows us to do we actually get to to tell the story of these guys and that's what we've been all along and that's when you're giving highlights daily it, you really get away from that but i hope you all that are listening take a time to read the in the, are in the system because both myself and Alex and, and, and Gerard, our entire Pirates beat is really, really trying to bring you the, the, the stories that you don't know. Like, obviously, you know, we know that O'Neill Cruz is super tall and he's a shortstop. That's great. But we're trying to tell you why he's so tall. It's genetics. Um, but how he does the way that – why he does things the way that he does. And I think – and seeing the thing with Castro and – and, and, and honestly, I'm really excited for Nick Gonzalez to, to return to the field, hopefully soon, because of the feature that I've been working on uh, for a couple months, um, dating back to the beginning of the season. So that's what we're trying to bring you within the system. And it's not just going to be me. It's going to be Alex and Gerard. We're all going to be talking about it. And we're all going to have different features and different ways to look at it because we're all, we're all three different writers. And I think that's what makes it unique. And that's what makes our Pirates coverage or Pirates prospects coverage second to none. With that, we're going to bring this prospect podcast to a close. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Get the entire DK Pittsburgh sports feed. Get all the different shows. Jared's got a Penn State one coming out on Sunday. I've got a podcast to be named later. I had a real bad brain cramp there. Like, name of the show, Alex. Name of the show, Alex. You say it so many times every week. But yes, the podcast to be named later that comes out on Thursdays. Lots of great shows here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. For Jerry Prugar, I'm Alex Stone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week.